to another episode of Duke Basketball Junkies. Uh, NBA Summer League just wrapped here uh, in Las Vegas. We're coming to you live from there, uh, where we are based out of. I'm here with my good friend Peter Rowe. How's it going? What's up, guys? And I'm Michael Ekstedt. Um We are uh, potentially going to have uh, the illustrious uh, Matt Jones on the podcast today calling in. We weren't able to hook up with him uh, in Las Vegas, but he has graciously uh, offered to call in and uh, allow us to speak with him for, for a little bit today. And uh, we're, we're pretty excited about it. We haven't done an interview with anyone from the team. You know, we didn't really know if that was something that, you know, we could do. Uh, we reached out to, uh, you know, some people at Duke, and they put us in touch with Matt. And Matt graciously, you know, said the word he was honored to be interviewed by us. I don't think he knows who we are. <laughs> but uh, but it's really cool that he was he was uh, in the middle of all of his, his stuff going on. He just uh, finished up summer league, uh, and I know he's got focused on what's going to happen next in his future. Uh, it's great. So we're going to give Matt a call now, right, Peter? Yeah, I think he's going to call us. Okay, he's going to call us, and we will fill airtime until he does. Peter, you excited? Just call. I'm very, very nervous, Mike. Can you hold me? <laughs> Are we should, you? We should call him, right? I don't know what he just texted you. What did he text you? Can't even see straight. <laughs> you must be a junkie if uh, one text from Matt Jones has you not seeing straight. So, uh, yeah. What's happening? Give us updated here. Give us a blow by blow. You giving him a call? Yep. All right. Forgive the audio quality. We're going to... Uh... Hey, is, is this Matt? Yes, sir. Hey, Matt Jones. How are you? This is Peter Rowe calling. I'm with my co-host, uh, Michael Exton. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We are good. Great. Uh, Matt, thanks for uh, thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. Especially uh, after, you know, having gone through what I'm sure was a pretty tiring week and the flight back home and... Uh, I'm sure you're in the middle of a lot of stuff. So, uh, yeah, we we are honored to have you. Um, don't need an introduction, but uh, I did want to introduce you. Um, you struck us as a winner, like a like a Duke guy, um, along the lines of Lance Thomas, David McClure, Sean Dockery, Shane Battier. Like maybe not Shane Battier, but these guys are guys who aren't maybe like the most heralded. They're not on the magazine cover, but they're critical, critical components of a winning program. And, and that's that's what we think of when we think of you. Just to, to continue uh, sort of uh, lauding you without your permission, I uh, just wanted to mention that you, you were, you know, obviously a starter in the national championship team, uh, four-year player. Congratulations on graduating. And uh, two-time captain, right, sir? And 134 career games, uh, just an all-around leader and all-ACC defensive player. So that's the resume. And uh, I guess we'll get right into the questions. Go ahead, Peter. Yeah. So, Matt, if we could hop into a time machine and go back five years, uh, can you talk just real briefly about the recruitment process? Uh, in addition to Coach K, who was, who was the primary guy recruiting you and where was Duke on your, on your list? Uh, were you always a Duke fan? Um, I actually, I actually wasn't always a Duke fan. Um, not saying I wasn't always. I didn't like them. I, I, they just weren't on my radar. Um, obviously, Coach Cave uh, called me for the first time, but uh, and Coach Cable actually uh, talked to talked to me quite a bit. Um, obviously, that game recruited my uh, teammate Julius Randall as well. 
Um, so it just kind of just happened the way was recruited both of us. But um, once Coach K uh, called me, um, that's when I really started to uh, kind of educate myself on Duke and uh, what they can bring to the table and kind of school and both on and off the court, things like that. And once I did that, I fell in love with do you remember anything in particular uh, Coach K said to you in one of your first talks? Or, or? Um, nothing too particular. Um, I just remember um, Coach K called me uh, after one of my games at the LeBron James camp and uh, basically just explaining an offer to me saying that how he saw, he saw me play in a couple of the games and he really liked me as a player. Um, he liked my demeanor and things like that. So I mean, that definitely and yeah, I remember definitely uh, at that time, uh, oh, I held a lot of weight. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, did you know, did you know Jabari? Uh, you know from AAU or anything? Did you know the other guys in your recruiting class, Semi and Jabari? I did. I actually, I, I know JP um, from some camps that we played with each other, and uh, I know Jabari from the All-American camp. Uh, Did you guys talk to each other about the decision, or would you all kind of make it independently? Um, it, it, was, it was kind of just individual. individual. Um, uh, I gave JP his face. Um, like I said earlier, I didn't really uh, know Shimmy too personally at the time. So um, me and JP would kind of talk about it, uh, brush over it, but nothing uh, too intense. What was it like uh, arriving? Um, did you guys arrive in the? Did you arrive in the summer, or did you did you arrive in the fall? We actually, um, we were, we were, we arrived that summer, um, uh, session two, um, and, and being able to just be on campus and meet the new guys and, and kind of work out with the team for the first time, and, and especially that you're a college student, um, the, the freedom was liberating, and, uh, it, it was exciting, uh, especially for, uh, for me, you know, especially young kid at the time, and from high school, it's it definitely a, a eye-opener. trouble managing my time as a freshman. I didn't do that well at Duke as a freshman academically, so I hear you. Hey, hey, hey Matt, uh, just a real elementary question. Um, how, how are you such a good defender? Did you come in as a sort of a renowned defender, or is that, is that something that, that came from the work you put in at Duke or the, the coaches? What, what separated you there? Uh, in high school, my, uh, my high school coach really uh, emphasized defense. Uh, he, he would tell me all the time that uh, I was a terrible defender. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he always he always made made it points where uh, uh, he made an emphasis that if I didn't play defense, I wouldn't play, and things like that. That so I mean I can, I, I think that he kind of instilled that competitive nature in me uh, on that end. And obviously, um, when I got to Duke and I, and I realized just how big of an impact defense really had on the game. Um, it really drove me to even become even better on that end, whether it be smarter or uh, more, more active. Uh, so being up, me wanting to win kind of drove that. So just just a follow up question: um, you were you were a captain on the team the last two years, right? 
Can you can you talk about the challenges defensively? I I, I want to say that you were really great defensively individually, but as a team, you guys sort of struggled. I want to say this year and the and the year before, maybe your freshman year also. Uh, what were the what were the challenges of? We we've never seen Coach K go to a zone defense, but I feel like in your four years, he sort of had to resort to that because of defensive challenges. Is that accurate? Yes, sir. Um, I think, I uh, kind of like you said, um, Coach K going to zone was rare. But also, throughout my four years, uh, we, we was bent by a lot of injuries as well. Right. Especially my last few years. Um, and even in, even in my sophomore year, we championship, we only had uh, eight guys so, I mean, the teams that I've been on, they've kind of been uh, injury, injury bitten. And um, in that case, you, you sometimes got guys who doesn't want to foul. Or maybe uh, are trying to conserve more energy, uh, but also in there rather than decreasing it. So, um, just stuff like that uh, kind of got, got us at times uh, throughout, uh, throughout the years. Um, it's kind of just stuff that you can control, but at the same time with the injuries and things like that, you kind of have to uh, just pick your point. That makes sense. That actually makes a lot of sense. Are you, um, do you think, do you think, uh, sort of being young, having the, the more of the one and done type players, uh, does that make it more difficult, more of a challenge on team defense? It, it does. Um, also because, uh, you really, you really have the young guy, young guy who is playing defense. when we won the national championship uh, that team maybe struggled a little bit on defense at times sort of earlier in the season by the end of the season you guys were pretty locked down yeah can you can you talk about that transformation I, I know you guys had a blip sort of in the middle of the season at NC State you guys lost and then you guys lost at home to Miami both times I think giving up maybe 90 points you guys were struggling defensively but then by the time we got to the NCAA tournament, you were holding every team to under 60 points. I, I remember the job you guys did against Gonzaga, holding them to, you know, 50-some points. Um, how, how was it that that 2015 team was able to overcome maybe the defensive challenges that it faced? Um, uh, that team was actually uh, winning the national championship. You had to be really good Yeah. Um, and we kept challenging ourselves, and, and ultimately, that should be, uh, we kept meeting that challenge, 
where we look up and we're in a championship game and we're ready for the ultimate challenge. After you guys beat Michigan State in the Final Four and you guys went back to the hotel and you're watching the second Final Four game, did a part of you want Kentucky to win so that it, the, the two Blue Blood programs could could meet up in the title game with Cal Party going for the 40-0 perfect season? Definitely. You, you definitely uh, did yeah. want, want that to happen. Yeah, but, I mean, we, uh, obviously we did both teams are really good. Um, but just, just all the attention that we felt Kentucky was getting Based with the chip on that we had on our shoulder for us thinking that we were the best and things like that, we definitely wanted that uh, that challenge uh, to, to really to see who was really the best that year. But um, unfortunately, they lost. And Wisconsin, who earned that win and things like that, they they posed the challenge in their own right. Them being a better late ball club and things like that. So I mean, we knew both teams were going for a different challenge. Yeah, definitely two really deserving teams. That, that Wisconsin-Kentucky game was incredible, and then the championship game was pretty incredible as well. All the games were epic. We couldn't believe that Kentucky lost because they had so many Giants tall guys with arms so long. Willie Cauley-Stein, Carl uh, Anthony Towns, yeah, yeah. The, the Harrison Twins, Trey Lyles, Devin Booker, T- Tyler Eulis. It's crazy. It's, Who would you have guarded on the team? Would it have been Devin Booker? Probably either Devin Booker or probably one of the Twins. Do you remember who you, who you matched up on primarily in sort of uh, each of the critical games in that tournament? For me, I'm going to remember Matt Decker, obviously. Um, guys like Denzel Valentine, like Travis Tribe, or um, like Winston Shepard, uh, Rodney Pryor, or Torkin Bagley, like Cameron Pangos, like guys like that. Basically, basically the other team's best guys. Exactly. Was Decker, was Decker the tallest guy you had to, to guard in your, in your college career in a big game? Uh, I think so. How did you attack that? What, what was your mindset? Uh, yeah, I, just, I was just going to be real physical. Um, I, I was going to be confident enough to know that he couldn't really go by because uh, I, was, I was obviously close to the ground in him. Um, so just to really uh, give them no room to breathe, basically, and make it hard for them to catch it, and, and let them just fall where they may after that. So I'm just curious. I mean, by the end of that season, you had you had this sort of alpha mindset. Sounds like on defense. Did you start the year that way? Because you know, freshman year, you you know, you didn't play a ton of minutes down the stretch, and then sort of there was like a stream change kind of in the starting lineup midway through that year, right? How did you get that mindset? When did that mindset start, you know, taking effect, you know, in in your college game? I think it really, I think it really took off uh, at the end of that year, that one championship, um, just because of just the mentality of everyone else. Uh, really wanted to play defense and, and kind of uh, wanted having fun shutting the other team down, but then also um, just seeing the success that we had. And doing so uh, made me want to replicate that uh, going forward in my, uh, my career. Are there certain moments you remember, other than like the championship run there from your career, where you made a decision to kind of step up, uh, you know, in a game or in the middle of a season, uh, where you had to change roles or do something for the team? Does anything come to mind? Whether it's like my dream where I was playing. Like, Point guard for a little bit, 
um, while we try to figure out who we wanted to, how we were going to attack defenses. Or, I mean, I can remember uh, some song my senior year, uh, at the end of the year, where I, I wasn't starting uh, a couple of games. Uh, we were playing well. So, I mean, stuff, little small stuff like that, um, where it's probably a, a, a small piece and, and a big, uh, and a long season. That kind of stands out to me where, oh, I could have turned another direction, but be able to stick it out and go through the lumps. Uh, I'm really proud of that. I was actually thinking about the Miami game at home this year, uh, yeah. with the the turning point at, after halftime, where you kind of came out of the locker room like a man possessed, hitting those three threes, getting the, a couple of steals, and seemingly putting the team on your back when they, you know, obviously was having some kind of crisis of confidence, like we were down twenty points. Did it feel that way to you, like, like you were accomplishing that? Did you make a decision, sort of, in the locker room? Did did a coach come up to you and say something? He did. He did actually. Um, I, I remember that game vividly. Also, um, we were in the locker room uh, searching for answers. Um, we, we weren't playing really. Too, we were playing well during that stretch at all. Um, and that game was kind of indicative of that. Um, so for me uh, personally, I kind of told myself, like, man, like it's time for you to step up. It's, it's time for you to to make a play. To make plays the way we, we put ourselves back in this ball game because I know how important this game is in the ACC. Right. Um, I didn't I, I know how that was shaped out, obviously. Um, but I, I just felt like I couldn't lose. Um, so when that when the, when the guy lost the rebound and, and I, was, I was there and I, and I was ready to get the layup, then I knew at that point that uh, these were going to start falling our way. You know, I could feel something shift. Anytime, anytime you're smiling and laughing after you sink a three, I know things are going well for us during the game. <laughs> That's a good point. I was hoping that that was going to sort of carry forward into the season, and like from that point on, there was going to be like no questions asked about the team. But obviously, there was a lot of you know turmoil this year. A lot of like Coach K was out. We had the Grayson thing going on. Uh, even you know the big freshmen coming in were you know had to deal with injury issues. Um, what what was it like this year? Uh, just generally, um, did it feel like up and down? Did it feel like a lot of different seasons? Was there a, a lack of continuity? It, it, was, it was definitely hard. Um, definitely challenging and, and kind of and rattling the Expectations uh, with the team, and you know, obviously, I imagine practice time was 
was limited with the full allotment, right? Probably never practiced like with the full roster, right? Was it um, you know, still, you know, you guys beat Carolina and had the crazy run in the ACC championship with the four games in four days. Um, is that, you know, are those the kind of things you, you still take away from the season? Uh, when, when you look back on this, do you think you'll, you'll remember that ACC championship run in particular? Definitely, because um, yeah, I know for me and Neil, we, we wanted that ACC championship. It, it had been a while, right? Right, Matt? Yeah. Yeah, and Emil being able to being able to play, you know, after last year must have been, you know, quite a emotional thing as well, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, so when Coach K uh, calls for the the sort of three quarter court press or the press against Notre Dame. Uh, and during the fourth game in four days after, you know, what are you guys thinking in that moment? Are you thinking, yeah, we can do anything? Or are you thinking, man, we're, we're, we're beat and we got to do this? Like, and our legs know. are dead. Like, we can't, <laughs> we can't do this. Or, or is adrenaline pumping so much that you can, you can do it? Um, yeah, I think the adrenaline is pumping, man. After watching Donovan Mitchell play this past week in, in summer league, I definitely have a new level of respect for for the man-to-man defense. You're able to to play against that beast uh, in that uh, that critical game. And Dudley, we're down at halftime, like just about every game, every, right? I feel like every game, right, Matt? Yeah, yeah. Every game was a dogfight. We were trailing in the second half, and to come out on top was hell of an achievement. I mean, those were four consecutive days of unadulterated just. Pure bliss. I feel like so. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks for that. Hey, Matt. Let me let me change directions just a little bit. Uh, Emil has uh, talked about how when he was a freshman, Mason hit him up all the time to practice free throws at like six thirty in the morning. And I think you wrote a piece for the Duke Blue Planet where you're talking about how when you came to Duke, you really looked up to Rodney Hood. Uh, these 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 guys are people that you can look up to and train with and work with, right? Yeah. And I just love hearing stories like that and the continuity being passed from juniors and seniors to freshmen. Let's say hypothetically that Grayson hadn't come back this year. Is is that element going to be missing in future years when, when Duke teams are so uh, one and done heavy that like, let's say Grayson wasn't there right now. Like who would be taking on that Rodney Hood or Mason Plumley role? No, you're right. Like, I mean, this is something that Mike, Mike and I talk about. We're sort of puzzled, like, you know, what could happen in future years if if it's just one and done almost exclusively. Yeah, we need, we need some Matt Joneses in the, in the program, and, and uh, we're, you know, a little bit afraid that, you know, it's some kind of dying breed here. But, but soothe our fears, Matt. Yeah. Can, you, can you speak on that? <laughs> Actually, uh, I can't. I 
assistant coaches are going to step up and play an even more hands-on kind of right. mentorship kind of role, right? I mean, I've heard pods and I've read think things about coaches encouraging like Jamin to speak more. And he's, he's like, I'm just a sophomore, but still you've got to speak up. I mean, you've got to be, take on a more vocal leadership role as well as Antonio, Antonio also. And we're just try, trying to visualize what kind of challenges there might be. If there's like a stud one and done, you know, is it, how receptive is he going to be to leadership advice from, but for someone who isn't somebody who hasn't played that much, sure. Yeah, no, exactly. You're right. Um, so, so you have a history with Marquis Bolden. He went to DeSoto also, right? Yeah. Did you play? I just wanted to ask about him for for a minute before we sort of get to sort of what's next for you. Were you a you know? I imagine I don't know. Were you, were you a part of him coming to Duke? Did you help kind of recruit him? Uh, do you, are you a mentor for him? Uh, and sort of like maybe what didn't we get to see last year from from Marquez that that we're going to get to see this year? Marquez, uh, he's been like a little brother to me. Um, definitely been from the same place. And being like one of my little brother's best friends, I, I was able to kind of hang out with him quite a bit. And, and especially uh, while we were recruiting him, just being able to talk to him and don't share it. my experience with him, um, kind of how it translates uh, from the high school that we grew up in and, and where we're from and things like that. So just give him the, the personal insight of all he, he could expect. Um, as far as the basketball side of the road, um, yeah, he really needed half the best years. One of the best years that, um, that he could possibly have. But um, for next year, uh, I'm, I'm excited for him because he went through a lot this year. Um, so for him to be able to kind of go from that um, to, to show his athleticism, obviously you see his stature. Um, and and when, when he walks in the room, you think that he can, he can be something up there. And, and I think that one day for him could be next year. And then for him to kind of man the pain and, and, and be aggressive uh, and do the things that, that, that people saw in high school. He's going to be a rim protector this year a little, little more, right? Yes, sir. I, I think so. And I think so. did the injury? Did his injury? Do you think it limited him? Like, uh, you know, was that a factor sort of this year? Yeah, you, you can say that for sure. I mean, as a freshman, it kind of sucks uh, being being so close to uh, throwing one of your dreams in college basketball, and then having to sit out a month or so and, and watching the team grow. Because those are the beginning of the years of pivotal, pivotal part right. in, in, a, in a young man's career and, and be able to get your feet wet to where 
you get to ACC play and, and, and so forth and so on, you're you're comfortable. And, and guys' roles are, are, are shaped out, and, and you know what they expect of uh, each other. And I feel like I was taking three for one with injured in the game. I'm just curious, as a senior captain, do you do you have any? Do you feel like you have any input with the the coaching staff about, you know, maybe player roles, of, you know, some general strategy? Do you do you get to give that kind of input? Maybe that you don't, you wouldn't dare give as a freshman, or like in film session or planning for a game. Yeah, uh, you definitely. Um, yeah, I definitely. Uh, they would kind of speak up whenever I felt that. Uh, we can do something better or, or this or that, um, whether it's being familiar with, with a guy's tendencies or something like that. Just chipping in every now and again, uh, but also knowing that I have a lot to learn as well. So uh, being able to step up uh, so guys know that it's an open space, but also knowing that uh, it, it's still, you still have a lot to learn as well, being in my position. All right, awesome. Uh, we really appreciate you talking so, like, you know, openly and well about, you know, all of your experiences, like, you know, throwing two, three-part questions at you and you're, you're hitting them out of the ballpark. So it's, uh, you know, you're, you're very easy to interview and we are inexperienced at it. So, uh, you know, we, we appreciate that. And we don't want to keep you too long, but I did want to ask you sort of about what's next. You don't have to talk about every aspect of it, but w- w- what's going to happen for you the rest of the summer? Do you, do you know yet? Do you have, you know, what are your goals, I guess? Uh... Um, that's a good question. Put you on the spot, sorry. Uh, I'll play for the Rockets in the summer league. Um, it, it went well in the sense that I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about the business, kind of how uh, the NBA style is. Um, I got minutes here and there, so I was able to kind of get my feet wet in the NBA and things like that. So, I mean, it, it definitely taught me a lot, uh, both on and off the court. Um, it gave me a, a branded perspective on a lot of things that I, I, I was unsure of. Um, as far as what's next for me, um, I do have an agent, and, and we're kind of just going to sit down and, and talk about every option. Um, obviously, my, my goal is to play in the NBA one day, um, whether that be uh, grind it out in the D League or, or this or that. Um, I'm, I'm open to any scenario. Um, but ultimately, uh, I believe that uh, one day that probably one day that I'll still give you a team and I'll be really effective at it. So um, I'm just going to keep grinding and until that happens. That sounds that sounds pretty fantastic. Um, are you uh, down down the road? You know, 10, 15 years after you retire from your your long NBA career, are you considering? Do you, do you have any thoughts in your head about possibly coaching? Possibly even coming back to to Duke? Is that a thought in your head at this point? You obviously have a lot to offer. Uh, uh, no, not really. Uh, to be honest, I always just saw myself more of like a, a to be like a mentor or or to be like an outlet for somebody or something like that. Um, coaching seemed cool uh, for for a little bit, but um, it, it's not something I, I really find myself wanting to do. Um, obviously, I can change. Fine, just life happening. Things happen in my life, but uh, for right now, I don't think I'm really wanting to take that path. Gotcha. How about a meal? You think a meal's got coaching in his future? I think meal <laughs> could be really good. And that um, he's, a, he's a great motivator. Obviously, he's really smart. Uh, knows the game of basketball. I 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, I think it'll be a really good coach one day. Yeah, looks good. Good information. Hey, listen, before we let you go, one final uh, question. Um, you know, John Shire ends his off-season, off-season podcast with, you know, he, you do a draft or whatever. You've gone up against some, some tremendous offensive Duke players uh, throughout your four years. Who, who are the – In practice. Yeah, in practice. Yeah, who, who, are, who are the top five um, offensive players that you went up against? Go. Toughest cover. Rodney was hard guard. Um, that never misses a shot, right? talent you just listed off and you do think about yeah. it like how many guys are going to the league because they're coming through the program fast and, and you know Jabari, Jabari and Grayson don't make the list I mean the, the <laughs> list just obviously could be endless Flip side, I'm sure that those guys um, increased tremendously offensively because they were matched up against you in practice all the time. Uh, but hey, listen, we've taken a lot of your time. We we, we want to thank you so much for coming on our, our podcast. Uh, it was really an honor, and we wish you the best this summer and in the future going forward. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me again. We've, yeah. only, we've only done it done it a yeah, year, yeah. so a little bit inexperienced, but you know okay. we we love it, and we're just very grateful you came on. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah, have a great summer and you know, good luck with everything, you know. Yeah, best right, we're rooting for you. Best wishes and thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you again. See you soon. See you guys. All right, thanks, man. So that was pretty awesome. I mean, what a nice guy. He's 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 great. Yeah. It's fantastic. It's hard to kind of sum it up in a short interview, like all the things you might want to get into in, in detail, but uh I mean, in, in preparation, I listened to his end of the basketball season banquet. The speech? Yeah, the speeches. And, you know, Coach K does the intro. And you can just tell that Coach K has just so much love and respect and admiration for, for Matt Jones. You know, like, you could tell in the way he's introing him, the way he embraces him. Like, this, he's, he's, he's one of our guys. Like, we win because of him. And that's, that's just, that's Matt Jones. Yeah, I wonder, uh, I mean, maybe we should have asked him, like, what it feels like to, to kind of get that acknowledgement from Coach K. Like, we didn't get into his relationship with Coach K at all. So, yeah. like, if we were able to talk to him again, I think we, we might might ask him about that next time. Um, sure. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, get to that. But, uh, but overall, you know, he was just very gracious, very measured uh, in his responses and... Uh, he, yeah, he was, hard, he was sort know. of what, what I had expected, you know, like a very grounded, humble, earnest, you know, he's from the South, yes, sir, 
um, just real good guy. We, there, there, there are a lot of dookies here. And, and I want to ask you, is, is Ryan Kelly starting for the Atlanta Hawks in the summer league? I feel like I, I've seen R. Kelly I didn't see, in the starting lineup. I, I think I saw the Hawks one of the day. I, I, I went three days. Okay. Um, but I only went... I only went for like a couple hours. One of the days I went for three or four hours. I had my son with me, my you know four-year-old son, so he didn't have a lot of patience. And then I had my friend Mike with me, and he doesn't have a lot of patience uh, one of the other days. So I didn't really get to, I didn't get to surface much. It was a little more crowded this year. It's it's. I feel like the summer league uh, attendance is on the rise. I feel like prices are going to go up, even though it's still really cheap. Um, and you just have access. You're, you have proximity to... Yeah, you know all these lottery picks, and then you have all these lifers like PJ Carlissimo, Ray Carlisle, head coaches, so team the analysts. The Sixers Lakers game yeah. uh, two nights ago, right? And you know I was excited to see the game, but it's just it's almost just as exciting or to interesting to people watching. Yeah. LeBron James and Ben Simmons are watching the game, yeah. And like you know Ben Simmons is sitting there with his brother, and I know that from watching the documentary. And, right. Uh, Quinn Cook is there, and I'm like. I want to see if Quinn Cook, like, actually knows LeBron. Like, I know he was in Cleveland's training camp the one year, and I've seen something about them interacting. Twitter exchanges. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, LeBron couldn't have been happier to see him. Quinn's talking to, to Ben Simmons. Quinn comes over. Uh, Scal and Harry Giles, Harry Giles are watching the game from behind the Sixers bench. And Quinn goes over, and, like, just seeing the genuine affection between him and Harry, who never played together, Right. But probably Harry visited when Quinn was still there or something like that. Brotherhood. Yeah, the brotherhood is real, but it's, it's, not, just, it's not just a slogan. It's whole, really, the whole NBA is a bit of a brotherhood. Yeah, You I can agree. get a feel for that. But there's so many Duke players in and around Summer League. It's because you know, every year we spit out two, three, four guys that get drafted or, you know, like Emil or Matt, get on with a Summer League roster. It's pretty neat. It's pretty neat to see the interactions. Like I'm watching Jaleel Okafor sitting next to Brett Brown and next to Ben Simmons one day. I get to see those guys interact uh, and, you know, see if they pay attention if they're on their cell phone the whole time. Which one was it? <clears throat> it's a mixture. <laughs> it's a mixture. Jaleel actually pays attention to the game. When he's sitting next to Brett Brown, they actually can see him talking Strategy. basketball. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, Brett's just like a coach, so... Whether Jaleel's going to be on the team next year or not, I think he's he's personally interested. Yeah. Uh, ben and Jaleel didn't talk that much sitting next to each other. Yeah. But uh, but it was great to see Quinn Cook so socially successful. Right. In addition to putting in some star performances, he really filled up the stat sheet in summer league, and he's like cementing, just feel he's cementing his presence in the league. Talking Quinn Cook. Quinn Cook, yes. Yeah. And like, there's nobody I could root for harder. You know, um, you don't want Frank Jackson to steal up, steal his backup point card job. <laughs> I'm certainly rooting for Quinn Cook over the Frank Jackson. <laughs> Frank wasn't there at summer league, but I did see we saw Jason Tatum play together. Yeah, Jason. What'd you think? How, how did and, and let me go back to your your, yeah. your personal relationship interaction. Um, you know, we saw a, a decent amount of Jason Tatum. I feel like he sank that one half court shot. He pointed at his mother. He gets mobbed by his teammates, and he goes sit on the bench, and like everyone's just like, you know, patting his chest, patting his back. I didn't see Jalen Brown really acknowledge that, so I was wondering if there's a thing there. But by all accounts, like they're they're on really good terms. Like it's like I mean, a good competitive like type of uh, interaction. Healthy, healthy. Yeah, those two guys are going to play alongside each other for 
for years, and they're they're both clearly very talented. He, it's he, an interesting yeah. combo. Jason looked good. Like his his peak is very good. Like he looks great, and then other you know, times he still makes sort of those same like clumsy OV type of mistakes yeah. that I was I would get on his case about at Duke. Like he forced it. He was forcing does it. A at lot, times. Does a lot of one on one dribbling. When it works. Like, it's super smooth. Yeah. Uh, a lot. Of, I heard the players voted him this kind of the guy with the best player at summer league or the, the guy. The who, players vote for that. Yeah, there was some kind of informal player vote. He was the one with the most rumblings. I think it's because he makes these really difficult looking shots, a la yeah. Kobe. You know, who was his favorite? Yeah, who he, who but, he, at, at when you look at his shooting percentage, he shot forty two percent. You know, which isn't sort terrible. Sort it's pretty like good. Kobe had a his career, yeah. Yeah, I mean, 42% is better than it used to be if it includes some three-pointers, for sure. Yeah. But um, his three-point stroke looked pretty good, and he, he was operating with confidence. Threes are good. The free throws are good. He still turn, turns the ball over a lot, probably dribbles a bit too much. Uh, his and, handle looked pretty looked tighter, I think, yeah. than it did at Duke. And what about, what about you know, people are pointing out he looks a little lazy or unmotivated on defense. Yeah, I think it's fair, maybe, but summerly, and my guess is they're just not that cohesive as a as a unit, they can't exert themselves too too much. Yeah, I think he was trying. You know, they were. They probably took some possessions off, but everybody's staring at him. If you were staring at some other player, you may you may conclude something similar about you know a lot of other players. I mean, all these guys coming out after freshman, they're just not going to be vigilant all the time on defense. Like they're not just going to be hawks. Yeah. You know, uh, the guy who was <coughs> incredible in person and on TV was Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Looks, he looks like he should have been drafted in the top five, a hundred percent, you know. And Dennis Smith looks great. Everybody's raving about him, but really, like John Collins looks great. John Collins looks good, but really, like those guys aren't doing anything that different than they were doing in college. In the ACC. Yeah, I mean, there's some flaws you can still detect. Just a gauntlet. The ACC is a gauntlet. Yeah, the best players are a lot of alphas in the ACC this year. You know. Um, yeah, it was fun to see a lot of the players. Is anyone else? You, you saw? I mean, we should talk about Luke Kennard. He wasn't in Vegas, but right. he, he he scored some points in the Orlando League, I guess. I would like to recant my position on Luke Kennard. Are you pulling it back? <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be convinced about anything. Like, first yeah. of all, summer league. It, like, how important it's a joke. Is it? Yeah, it's not a joke, but it's it is. It's a joke and it's not a joke. But like, yeah, you have to, you have to, you have to. There's got to be perspective. I mean, there's a lot of hot These shots in summer played, league who, who wash out. You know, they, they haven't played a lot of five on five. Yeah, right. The, the top guys because they didn't want to get injured before the draft, and then they're you know sort of whoever takes all the shots is going to score the most points. Right. Like, uh, so efficiency doesn't seem to be the key. I think they were telling Tatum to just sort of go for it. You know, yeah. like we don't know what the coaches are telling him. Right. Lonzo Ball. Was pretty fascinating to watch it in person. Right. Did, did you get to see him live? Not live, no. Did you watch? I watched a little bit of TV. Um, he's big. He's big. He's big. His hands are great. Like his. He's tall and skinny. He's tall and skinny, but he's got decent sized shoulders. Like he's he seemed kind of sturdy to me. Sturdy. He looks. Yeah. He looks skinny. I mean, he was hitting the boards on the okay. on both ends, uh, especially on the defensive boards. He would hit the boards, grab like a weak side rebound most of the time, or you know, not always a weak side rebound, and then he'd immediately his eyes are up and he'd like target target someone with a pass, like so fast. Transition, uh, outlet passes, just passes down the court. 
I didn't see him sort of misdirect a pass in the, the two and a half games I watched him play. Like, his, like, precision and touch. You watched him for two games and he never missed a pass. I mean, he turned the ball over. He, he would force it going to the rim. He wasn't, like, a terrific finisher in traffic or anything. Yeah. He would, like, maybe get caught in the air a little bit. But usually he had a plan and he could adjust. He's, he's playing chess a few moves ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly, like, a genius at basketball, you know. And on defense, he completely lacks, like, foot speed. He just can't stay in front of this guy. Couldn't keep anyone in front of him. At the point of attack, he's going to struggle. And they're going to have to adjust adjust their whole defense. Huge liability. To do that, right? To, like, compensate for it. Maybe he's, like, Detroit. They're going to play with more of, like, a help help kind of zone-ish type thing with him. Yeah. They don't really – they could use, like, a – rim protector they don't have one so that's probably their next priority I imagine but like what I was impressed by that I didn't know was how aware he was you know even when he was sort of like beat on the play he would swipe from behind he saw where other people were going to pass and he could anticipate and those hands he you know if he got his hands on the ball he usually would stick to him so you know it was interesting to watch like the myth is not you know he measures up kind of so he exceeded, he exceeded expectations. You were pretty impressed. I was pretty impressed. I mean, it made me think, like, maybe the Sixers should have drafted this guy. Marco Fultz got injured. It was very disappointing to me. So you never even saw so him. So I never got to see him live. live. I didn't get out there for the first game. But, you know, I saw him play on TV. <laughs> Did he look okay? It seemed like he chucked up a lot of shots. Had a nice run. I mean, he was actually, like, a, like a, very, like a pretty effective three-point shooter. Yeah. And, like, he has these weird moves where he just kind of... <laughs> Glides and spins and you know makes other people look like they're not trying. Um, okay. But it's unclear to me that he can finish like effectively in the NBA at the rim. Um, you know, but uh, it's gonna be, I, I don't know. He's very slight. He's very young slight. looking. Very slight. You know, like I would like Lonzo Ball would. So Martel Fultz looks sure. slight, <laughs> and Lonzo Ball looks sturdy to you, to your eyes. Because I think eyes. most people would say that should be reversed. No, I mean, Ball's got a couple inches on him. Okay. And I think they're both listed at 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's just the way they carry themselves. Okay. Um, hey, how, how worried are you about Harry Giles? Um, he hasn't played at all. They just I don't expect him to, like, I imagine this whole year, like, he's, the most important thing is his injury rehab. It's not getting on the court in summer league. So what's, what's, what's his three-month, six-month, one-year plan? I mean, at what point is he going to... What's the rush? They're just going to do... I mean, I, I sort of had this, like, watching Joel Embiid. Yeah. And even Nerlens Noel, the first year he missed. Yeah. It's like, who cares about production today? Like, get the body right for the next 15 years. Or the next 12 years, whatever it is. Like, spend... If it takes two more years, like, they're not going to take any chance. Why would they take a chance? Okay, so um, he had the injury... I believe his first game senior year, right? Sure. And it wipes out his senior year. Um, he sort of came into the Duke rotation maybe like 10, 15 games into the season. And he played sort of sparingly. And it's been a couple months. So it's it's been, what, like a year and a half? Maybe, maybe getting close to two years since he's had the injury. He's still just rehabbing and resting. Like, at, at what point is he going to be, you know, full, full on? Don't know. We don't know. 
but guess what? He's only 19 years old. So let's say he doesn't step, like play five on five and play in a game for another year and a half. What's the difference? All that matters is whether he's going to re-injure himself and what his sort of ceiling athletically is when he is ready to go a lot. My guess is he will play this year, or at least you know he'll be practicing. He might get on the court a little bit. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he gets sent down to the G League to to get some run, you know, under like less pressure than stepping on an NBA court. Yeah, um, he looked happy. You know, his facial expressions were good. He's always happy. He looked very jovial, and um, I mean, that that's the that's his reputation as mm-hmm. just a. He's on um, he's on the Kings, and they have this guy Pop Papadopoulos. Papa Giannis, I think. Papa Giannis, who's yeah. like a monster, but is he Greek from Greece? He's from Greece. They picked him in the thirteenth pick the previous year, okay. out of nowhere, like a big reach, and he was, you know, he, I think he had like ten fouls in one game. Like <laughs> he he shot like forty percent at every 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 attempt from, was from within three feet. You know, like he actually had a good shot game, forty percent. <laughs> From point blank, he just yeah, he, okay. he just had trouble. He had trouble. He he did not come close. He had one game where he sort of overpowered. Uh, I guess it was the, the the Blazers summer league team. No, it was the Bucks summer league team. Um, but but like what I was gonna say is him. So he was like a bit of a bust, and like people, Twitter writers, NBA oh, writers are making fun of last year the Greek guy. This year, this year, I don't think he, you know, this yeah. year he was on their summer league team. He's he wasn't even in the oh, NBA. Yeah, he didn't suit up last year. He played overseas. Gosh, I think so. Yeah, and but like Giles standing next to him, Giles looked like he was six inches shorter. I know he isn't six inches shorter. He just looks slight, again slight and shorter. Like Giles has a lot of like. There's a lot of maturing to do, just body wise, physically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's a he's a long road ahead of him, and I guess the idea is in three or four years we'll have some idea about. His potential, but it'll still be potential, I imagine. Three or four years? That's when, long time. That's, when his first, long. that's when his first contract ends. It's a long span. So in the meantime, he's going to rehab and get paid for it and get hopefully good coaching. He's going to play alongside Justin Jackson, who played the whole game and took so many shots <laughs> in the game I watched. He actually scored like 15 or 16 points, but <clears throat> down the stretch, like every time he wanted to try to kind of force a shot, it just—it looked like he was forcing shots. He was having trouble creating his own offense a little bit, um, and it made me think, you know, maybe he's not really going to be a stud in the league. Uh, I mean, obviously he might not be. He's drafted fifteenth. Yeah. But uh, I, I did not like what I saw from him in person. Uh, in terms of. Yeah, just in terms of his shot selection, and uh, he didn't stand out so much athletically like some of the other high picks did. Yeah. Um, Kennedy Meeks uh, had a pretty good summer league, you know, little... Didn't know that. Yeah, he put up some numbers, and... Um, I actually wouldn't mind seeing him. And uh, the other guy, who's the other big guy that got drafted towards the end of the first round, uh, UNC Bradley? Yeah, Tony Bradley. Tony Bradley looked, looked pretty good uh, as well. Uh, I didn't get to see Emil play in person. I saw him. How, how, how did he look? He didn't play that many minutes, right? I want to say he started maybe the first game, and then he was coming off the bench in the second. He, I mean, he seemed okay. Um, I think it's he, not great that he like started a game or two and then like 
was off the bench and didn't play that many minutes after. His yeah. numbers weren't. I, yeah, there. I feel like offensively he just wasn't able to get anything going. You know, like he he was great offensively for us his junior and senior year. He had spin moves and he could. I feel like they didn't feed him yeah. in summer league. Even when he did, he was sort of clumsy with the ball. He would yeah. he would have these uh, really awkward travels. You know, he had um, one really really he had one really horrific travel that I I probably yeah. texted you about. Um, but you know he was doing his thing on defense, talking. He's rebounding, um, but I, I felt like it wasn't enough to compensate for his liability offensively. It's a chance. I mean, it's still a chance against a camp invite with Minnesota. But looking at the yeah, roster, Matt, Matt, Matt was really, really high on him as a potential coach. Oh yeah, yeah. That was, was I, that. That definitely struck me. And I just thought I would ask that because Emil seems so outgoing, so gung ho. Right. Um, Talking about leadership and stuff all the time. Leadership, yeah, being vocal, but he's also a big man, and we almost we never have big guys as coaches. So I feel like that man. might be a good fit. In yeah, the but I think Emil's gonna have he's gonna have like at least gonna have some type a of five career. year pro career somewhere. Yeah, um, and he's he's not gonna like give up or anything. He's coming off injuries, and I think I think both Emil and Matt are gonna are gonna try to go the Lance Thomas, Quinn Cook kind of route. Yeah. Where Quinn was closer to making an NBA roster without having to kind of go down to the G League, but Lance wasn't, you know. Right. And, uh, and it'll be interesting to see if either of those guys, with their work ethic, with their leadership qualities, with their intangibles, can sort of maybe just overcome their, their, their lack of an NBA offensive game, you know, or develop, develop the three-point range, like, yeah, like yeah. Lance Thomas. Lance Thomas developed I mean, a three-point He really had no offense. Coming, yeah. I mean, coming out of Duke and then... He's uh, a spot-up shooter now. I don't recall if he played summer league, but, I mean, he really wasn't gifted offensively. Well, he never got the chance at Duke to shoot much. He didn't, that's not what they needed him for. In, in that way, like, yeah, it's similar with uh, with Matt a little bit. I mean, Matt, Matt, Matt scored more than Lance Thomas, like way more, right? <laughs> Matt scored probably well, seven I mean, and a half this year, maybe ten. He was under ten, 10 for 10, his career, half, but um, his junior year. But I, I bet you Matt had a lot more double-digit games than Lance. Yeah, uh, for sure. I mean, Lance, Lance was like I, we looked it up one time. It was yeah, like it's four really four and four, like four and a half and four and a half. Yeah, um, but these guys are still, even though they're seniors graduating, they're still relatively young and at age between twenty. Two and twenty-five is, you know, they can develop other skills. They can they can improve. Once you hit your mid twenties, you know, people don't kind of do comeback stories. But uh, right. either way, you know, it'd be great to see them be successful, make some money playing basketball overseas or not, uh, or live out their dream. Uh, you know, not leaving anything sort of, uh, you know. No mysteries. They give. Hopefully, they'll give it their all. And, you know. Wish them the best. Yeah, I mean for sure. Uh, was there someone we missed? Uh, Harry Giles, Jason Tatum, Frank Jackson didn't play. Right. Um, Emil and Matt. Did you uh, did you see Matt play? I did not see Matt play. No. I also did not see Matt play. That's why we didn't really get into it with him. Right. And I saw he got a DMP in three of the first four games. Right. Played like 13 minutes in the other game. And then he played, he played he, in this last one. He played 16 earlier today. Um, the guy played in the game, flew home, apparently had a dinner with his family, and 
made the time to call us at like you know evening time after all that. Like I was, I was surprised. You know, I was like, "Look, Matt, if you're going to be jet lagged, you're going to be tired. You want to catch up with family? We totally get it. You know, we could push us back to, yeah. to being later." But he was totally open about it. And, and I listen great. to other podcasts talk about how like they keep they could try and have people on, and you know, the, the, by the time we get them on, like, "Oh, we've been trying to do this for a while." This guy responded right away with a text to. And we got your contact information. Yeah. Enthusiastic, gracious, followed up, you know, the next day and made it happen. So, you know, uh, we're gracious. Thanks again uh, to Matt. Yep. Um, we'll see what happens next for everybody, where people wind up. Training camps don't start for a while. We have to get back into talking about Duke basketball. Yeah, like you said, there's like so a long lull there in, a, in the calendar. There is a long lull coming up. The blue-white game isn't really for three months. It's like uh, late October. However, the summer session has begun, and there are pictures on circulating on Twitter about you know with the the freshmen arriving. Right, they're there. I've seen most some of, of them are there. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah, and there was another little bit of news today um, that I saw. Do you know who uh, is it? Marvin Bagley. You know who that is a recruit. So he's one of the top recruits. Not in this year's incoming class, but the following year. Okay. Right? And the, the big news today is that there's speculation. They're, uh, they're, they're looking into the possibility of him reclassifying. For next year. For next year. And the two teams mentioned that he could possibly go to were USC and Duke. This guy, and then I, you know, one of the guys that, whose opinion I respect a lot... I was listening, you know, on his Twitter. I was looking at his Twitter. He mentions the news and he says, "Oh, I got to redo next year's thing. This guy might be the number one player in the class." Marvin Bagley. Over. over I've never heard of him. Marvin Bagley. Got to look him up. We'll do a live look up here of of this guy. Uh, We're not talking about this upcoming class. We're talking about next. We're talking about potentially coming to do this year. Playing two, two, in the blue white game in October, it's a possibility, I guess. Wow, I mean, it's a rumor, right? Like, put no credence in this, but yeah, the news today is Marvin Bagley on CBSSports.com. Marvin Bagley the third, the top-rated prospect in the class of 2018, is exploring the possibility of reclassifying and enrolling in time to play college basketball this season. Bagley told reporters here at the Nike Peach Jam on Thursday that he plans to officially visit Duke next week, then Arizona and USC in some order. He's 6'10", he's a forward. If he can graduate from high school in time, get cleared to play academically and play this season, it would change the landscape. It says it would change, he would change the landscape of the sport drastically in the sense that whichever one of those schools got him, would have a reasonable claim the preseason number one. This I mean, this, this is a guy on the level of a Michael Porter, DeAndre Ayton kind of a prospect, apparently. This is not fake news. This is not fake news. You, you vetted this, Mike. I mean, people I trust on Twitter were <laughs> tweeting out about it, and I just Googled it, and this is the first link. Yeah. So this is from So So if you looked at the recruiting class for next year, he's mm-hmm. what, top five, top ten? Number, number one. one. It's number one. Number one. Period. 
So, so why wouldn't he reclassify if he can get to the NBA? Well, that, that, much that, I guess that's why he's, he's thinking about doing it. I don't know why it's breaking so late that this is a possibility. I mean, I imagine, I imagine that uh, Coach Coach K knew about this, has known about it as a possibility. I mean, Derek Thornton reclassified two years ago, right? But and he wasn't like this, right? That was like he was Andre Dawkins did the same thing. Yeah, um, I've never even seen a highlight. Let's watch a highlight real fast and, re- and react to it live. Let's do it. Let's do it. You know, and we'll save this moment for when he comes and just houses everybody. You do to we really need another big for this year? We already have Bolden, and Bolden's probably may 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 not be thrilled about this news. So let's see. Here he is. Place for a high school named Sierra Canyon. So you you just love watching. These little YouTube clips. Uh, listen, ball is life. Look, dunk a little bit showy. Wow, looks like a cross between Josh Jackson and Young um, Amari Stoudemire. Yes, I like it. There you go. It's definitely. He <laughs> looks pretty sick. Playing above the rim a lot. Yeah, these are all dunks on this mixtape. I assume he can shoot as well if he's a number one prospect. He's got a lot of height, a lot of ups, and uh, really, really agile. They block shots. Yeah. This guy, where did he come from? <laughs> so there we go. Uh, hey, maybe he's going to. So he could be on this upcoming team. Apparently. I mean, do we have a scholarship to give out? Didn't we, didn't we give one to that kid from Georgia, Jordan Goldwire? You know, I guess this guy's going to make millions of dollars and probably doesn't, maybe doesn't need a scholarship. Um, or maybe, I don't maybe think it quite works that way. Maybe uh, Coach Capel pays like a thug visit to one of these guys in the middle of the night in the summer dorm room and says, We got to have a talk. You got to go. <clears throat> yeah, uh, you know, we got to, uh, we're going to have you come next year. <laughs> oh. Now, I believe Marvin, Marvin Bagley was a, uh, was a, was a player for the, Boston Celtics, his, his dad or his grandfather. Okay. Is that right? I don't, I have no idea. Test my obscure basketball sports knowledge here. Uh, I don't know. We'll have to look into it for next week. Uh, anything else you want to add? Do you want to, you know, about a... Uh, Off-season podcast? Have you been listening? I, I, wish, I wish he would give these guys, like he's trying to give us a, a glimpse of the team, but... He's doing two interviews in, in season two. John John Shire is okay. off season podcast, and I was very excited when like they were talking about our off season podcast. Episode one was Coach K. That's fine, right? Anything is fantastic. Episode two was like Tyus Jones and Jam Deloria. I was like, wow, this is great. I'm, I listened to those. I was shocked. I'm by very interested how, to know what what Jam is sh- about, like because we really don't know anything about him, right? Tyus Jones gets like forty minutes, and then Jam Deloria gets like. Three minutes, you know. He, what I learned about him is that he grew up on a farm. He still has to do his farm chores when he gets home. He's an incredible athlete. Um, yeah, it was like so imbalanced. I mean, well, I mean, it's, it's understandable because the other guys good. have the star power and the star attraction. Sure, um, but from a Duke junkies perspective, like we would Me like to, you we, both we would know. like to know the guys who are on the team. Yes, you know, like just give us ten minutes. 12 minutes. Well, know. me and you both know that you could probably talk to Javon Delorier for two hours and quiz him about his uh, athleticism and the, the six field goals he had last year. 
<laughs> I was like, three minutes just seems like seven. short shrift. Maybe it was five minutes. Seven. You, you give them ten or twelve. Give them ten or twelve, John. If you're listening, get, give the guys on the roster. Give them ten or twelve. Let's learn a little more about their family, what they're majoring in, who they, you know, that, that is actually their recruiting I process, all that Matt stuff. Matt, I want to ask Matt what he majored in, and also like just give him a congrats on graduating from Duke. I mean, that's a pretty big accomplishment. It was Pretty tough deal for us. You know? Very tough for me to graduate. <laughs> Very tough. <laughs> Tougher for you, probably. I can't believe it happened. I can't believe um, it happened. And, and, and it just happened. How many know? classes did you fail at Duke? Did you fail any classes? Did you withdraw? No, but I went through a class that I was probably, maybe not fail, but like it wouldn't have been good. What class? Biochemistry in my senior year. Uh, this was when I was still trending towards becoming a doctor. And, right. And uh, you're still. Something happened. Still holding up that charade of a. <laughs> Of a goal, I uh, I failed a class. I just stopped going. I'll, I'll tell the story super fast. Yeah. Had, electrical engineering <laughs> intro to circuits, or you know, I was supposed to be an E major freshman that year. Sounds significantly above your pay grade. I was majoring in like poker and rushing a fraternity, and the first, I'm not even going to class. I'm not waking up. Nothing. Right. All I'm doing is going to basketball games and playing poker, drinking, playing cards, yeah, all that stuff, and. Uh, you know, I, I'm so smart. I know I can ace anything. Anyways, the first just just like in high school. Yes, the first test I get, I get a, uh, I get a Grand Hill. Thirty number thirty three. Okay. Second test, there's only four tests. Second test, I get a Bobby Hurley. Is, uh, <laughs> That's an eleven. Eleven. I got an eleven out of a hundred. Right. I go to the guy and I say, um, Hey, is there anything I can do? Because mathematically, it looks like I'm I'm pretty much drawn dead here. Yeah. And I've made mistakes. And I'd like, you know, is there a path? And he tells me, all you got to do, like he's really earnest. And he tells me, you come to my office after class twice a week, sit with me for half an hour, and I will help you. And I'll give you some extra work to do. And I will, you know, if you can get, I think he said, a B on the final, he will pass me. He won't tell me what the grade will be, but he'll definitely pass me. And I shook his hand, thanked him, walked out of his office, and never went to the class again. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> you know, the, the crazy thing, the rest right? history in my academic career. The, the crazy thing is that you actually live that, and I want to say, like, once every two weeks, I wake up in a nightmare from a, like, I dream that. I feel like I dream like I'm back in school, and I never got to class, and now I've got to go to the final, like, Dream that. That's a pretty standard type of dream. Are you naked in the dream? Can't remember that. Um, but no, going back to Matt Jones, like uh, it feels like it's been forever for us. Like it's been close to twenty years. But he just graduated from Duke. I mean, like yeah, when we graduated, I just felt like future is bright. Like world is limitless. Like possibilities are limitless. And like him too. It's just he's got all this uncertainty in his life now. Yeah, and like yeah, he knew exactly where he was going, what he was doing. For the last four years, he had a role on a team. Leadership role. In like a Big historic like program with leadership and brotherhood and all, you know, a place. Yeah. And he still has that place that probably helps him. Right. Um, maybe we should ask him about that. But the, the uncertainty about like where he's going to play basketball, who he's going to be practicing with. What, what country he's going to be. What country he's going to be. Yeah. Okay. yeah. It's, uh, it must be a hell of a thing. I mean, we were, we were big Matt Jones fans. 48 hours ago, but now we're bigger Matt Jones fans, and we will be pulling for him. 
Yeah, I mean, I remember we had a debate about like whether he was a, an historically great Duke defensive player yeah, how or just a very good. Yeah, yeah, we, we probably got into it for like twenty minutes, and I think I came down, you know, on the level of he was just a really, really good defensive player. Certainly, him and Emil were our best defensive players the last few years, but I didn't feel he quite measured up to like some of the all-time all-time greats on the ball defenders of Duke. Um, Shane Battier. Grant Hill. Yeah, but, I mean, it was just an honor. It's, an, it's still an honor. To, I mean, it's an honor to speak to someone who put in the work, accomplished so much, and uh, so we'll stop uh, stop washing those balls now. Right. We'll, uh, we'll just, end the podcast. Just a, sh- <laughs> just a shining light for the program. Yeah, what a great guy. What a great guy. Doesn't do anything dumb. Doesn't, doesn't bring embarrassment or shame to the program. Like, he's just... Leads by example. Yeah. He puts his head down. He does the work. And that's what he admired about Rodney Hood because Rodney Hood was like, guy, a few words, just leads by examples, comes early, practices, trains, you know. God bless him. Hopefully he got some practices where he, he only had a guard, you know, like Justin Robinson and not not Brandon Ingram every time. Or those guys. It sounds like it was really hard. Otherwise, work. I mean, it's amazing. Like yeah, his, confidence, Hood, his confidence has got to be shot when like, these guys are scoring buckets on him every day. Well, maybe that accounts for, for some of the transfers. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just they, people don't, I don't know, aren't up for the challenge. Or maybe they just yeah. think, this is hard. It's an uncertain outcome. And I'm going to go somewhere where I know I can play, where I can start and get minutes, get more minutes. And that, you know, some people might prefer that. But uh, the, the Duke practice courts, you know, a lot of bodies. Yeah. And I, a lot of a lot of triumph, you yeah. know, a lot of people that improved. So. I think I think I might have read or heard somewhere that this time last year, Frank Jackson and Grayson Allen were just putting on, like, epic battles, card gym, you know, because they're both similar heights, similar build, similar athleticism, inside, outside. Like, not inside, outside, like, outside and slashing. Attacking the basket. There's got to be some unbelievable games. Someone's got tapes of some stuff somewhere, yeah. I guess. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Hope you enjoyed the treat. Yeah. Maybe, Hope you maybe enjoyed the there's more in the future. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it'd be, be fun to do once in a while with uh, somebody from the program. Yeah. But uh, don't hold your breath. Right. <laughs> we don't. We don't. We're, we're, just, we can't, we're not making any promises. We're just very blessed to have today. Yeah. And for those of you who tuned in for the first time, this is what we do. We just, we just, we're just talking about Duke basketball. We we both went to Duke. We, you know, been following the team for, gosh, twenty five, twenty four years now, and uh, long time. Yeah, uh, we just have huge, fun talking about huge it. Huge fans, maybe torture fans, and uh, we, you know, we took the interview seriously, but we we definitely don't take ourselves in our podcast that too seriously, and that that's part of. You know what makes it uh, bearable. You know, uh, hopefully to listen to. I take it fun. very seriously. Pete takes it too seriously. I don't take it seriously at all. <laughs> all right, guys. Thanks for listening. All right, go Duke. Where's your go Duke, man? Oh. Can I get a go Duke? Go Duke. If you enjoyed today's episode and you'd like to hear more, you can subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher to Duke Basketball Junkies. Uh, you can email us at dukebasketballjunkies at gmail.com with any questions or thoughts, uh, feedback. And you may uh, follow us on Twitter, please, at dukebbjunkies uh, on Twitter. Thanks for listening.